0: Hello, Waves listeners, June Thomas here to introduce an episode of a great new podcast that Slate recently launched. Better Life Lab explores the art and science of living a full and healthy life. Host Bridget Schulte talks with behavioral and social science researchers to help us better understand what drives our human experiences and how we can change. In the episode you're about to hear, Bridget speaks with Michelle Hickox, an accountant and banker who took summers off And still got promoted. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to the Better Life Lab feed to get more great episodes.
1: Enjoy. Better Life Lab is brought to you by American Express. Managing the stress of modern living and cracking the code on how to live a better life is easier when you don't go it alone. The powerful backing of American Express. Don't live life without it. From New America and Slate, I'm Bridget Schulte, and this is Better Life Lab. I've had a great
2: career. I love being the CFO of this bank. So I don't think the fact that I did it differently has held me back in any way. My oldest daughter, this summer, she was talking to me about how she liked that I was around. She looks back and says, my family was able to do that. I really want to find a way that I can do that as well.
1: That's Michelle Hickox. I spoke with her from the bank just outside Dallas, where she's now Chief Financial Officer. Some surveys show that people think work-life balance for top leaders is impossible. It's a myth. But Michelle shows that that's not true. She found a way to build a powerful career and protect the time she needed for her family. And she did it when few of her co-workers even dared to speak about things like flexible schedules or working reduced hours. Her path was often challenging. But for anyone who, well, like me, struggles pretty much daily with the mix of work and life, Michelle's tale is also pretty inspirational. We'll get to Michelle's story in a minute, but before that, let me bring in Jessica DeGroote. Hello, this is Jessica DeGroote. Jessica runs Third Path Institute. It's a nonprofit out of Philadelphia that's worked closely with business leaders and others for 16 years. She's the reason I met Michelle Hickox in the first place. Jessica is on a mission, not only to help families better share work and home responsibilities, but to help make the American workplace better. Jessica's seen some big shifts, good and bad, since Third Path started.
0: Sixteen years ago, when I said this was a men's and women's issue, both men and women really pushed back and said, I don't think men care about this. And Mm. I said, well, I don't think that's true. That's the biggest change I've seen. You cannot go through Father's Day and not see a million articles about how men want things differently. And I think younger men and women really are ready. They're not having that same argument at home.
1: You know, it just strikes me when we talk about the work culture and how how powerful that is or gender norms and how powerful they are to try to push against the status quo, I can imagine, is pretty tough to do
0: still are at the early adapter stage. So as much as this future world is possible, um, right now, today, it's hard to do this alone.
1: Well, let, What I'd like to do is um, uh, we had a great conversation with Michelle Hickox, who's been part of one of your groups for a number of years, who herself has fallen off the wagon, and the, your group has helped her see things clearly and get back on. So I'd like to listen to some of the conversation together and get some of your insights. Sounds like fun. My
2: husband and I had kids very quickly after we got married, and both of us were in public accounting. At the time we started in public accounting, there were no flex schedules or doing telecommuting or anything like that. I mean, I can tell you the day that I started my job in our first meeting, they basically said, do not plan anything on weekends because you're going to be required to work. So just Uh. don't plan anything so we don't feel bad. (laughs) Uh. And so when um, we found out that we were expecting our first child, um, we didn't think it would work if both of us stayed in that line of work. So my husband decided public accounting really wasn't for him, while I really liked it a lot. So he sought a job um, with some another company that had much more employee-friendly policies, and he was able to find a job where he could work a flex day, meaning he could shift his hours, and he would go into work really early so that he was off earlier in the afternoon so that um, our baby at the time didn't have to spend so many hours in daycare.
1: Mm-hmm. And so then when did you start thinking about working differently?
2: When my oldest daughter finished kindergarten, um, we had a, an issue that came up with the daycare that we were using, which decided that once that school year was over, they wanted those kids to graduate and be gone, and so it left us with a hole related to childcare for that summer. And you know, the other thing that had that I'd really been thinking about was my parents were teachers, and so you know, even though they both worked full time, they were off. When I was off and we always, summers were great. We spent our summers at the lake. We took, that's when we took our vacations. And so, you know, I started thinking, well, this is, this is not really very fair for my kids when they're out of school to really have to spend their time in daycare. So I started thinking about an approach with the two partners that I worked with at the time to see if they would be willing to let me take that summer off basically Mm -hmm. so that I could be home with my girls before my oldest daughter started first grade. And really, my intention at that time was for it to be a one-time thing. And the way my schedule worked, it worked out well for them and for me. I took a reduction in pay. Actually, I think I I didn't take my bonus that year was how I worked it out with them. And I was not as busy during the summer anyway. So it was kind of a win-win for both sides. And uh, and so it didn't turn into a one-time thing. What, what ended up happening? It didn't because um, after that first summer, I enjoyed it so much, and I thought, well, I would really like to see if there's a way for me to continue to do this ongoing. Our firm was sold um, to McGladry at that point in time, who at that time did not have official policies, or at least in the Dallas office, we didn't. So I really had to go through that approach again and while the partners that I had originally worked for were still there they were no longer in charge so I had to work out a deal with the managing partner of the office and he was really anti um, you know anybody working anything different than what would normally be expected in public accounting which is fifty to sixty hours a week and it really his thought was you know if we let one person do that then everyone is going to want to do that mm-hmm. and you know what I've learned over my career is that's not true I mean one, in exchange for working less hours, I also took a 20% cut in pay, which, which was worth it to me. I, I really wanted the flexibility and the ability to spend time with my girls. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, that's not what they want to do, or they have other ways that they're able to work that out.
1: So, so if you have the managing partner who is really opposed to anybody working differently, except this kind of really always on uh, manner, uh, how did you get them to change his mind? So
2: I did have, still have the support of the two partners that I had originally worked for. And, you know, they approached him and basically talked him into letting me try it. So the agreement at the time was that I would be able to do it, but he didn't want me to tell anyone that I was doing it. <laughs> and, and I will say that that caused issues and I actually almost gave up on it um, and decided to look for, uh, you know, another job because... Part of the agreement was that when we were not so busy, which was in the fall, I would leave at four in the afternoon, you know, so that I was home in time to have, make dinner, you know, spend the afternoon with the girls and Rob. And, um, you know, I'd be getting on the elevator to leave and these people would just be going, wow, Michelle, you're you're taking off early today. or It must be nice to leave this early. Mm. And well, that was because no one knew what my arrangement was. And so you know, it made me feel like everyone thought, well, I was not committed to my job or I was not working as hard as everyone else. And they didn't know that I had an arrangement and I also had taken a reduction in pay to be able to have that arrangement. And so Mm. after that first year, I was like, you know, I'm not really sure if this is really working. Fortunately, we had a change in the managing partner. Uh, Another partner from the firm moved in who was much more open to flexible schedules. And the firm, I think at that point in time was going through a change too. where nationwide, you know, it was a national firm, they were rolling out more flexible schedules as well. And so what I found is that the more people that knew about it, the better I communicated it to people, the better it worked.
1: Mm. And you didn't find that there was a big rush to the exits that everybody else wanted to work differently or wanted to take their summers off? There wasn't. In
2: fact, I I think while I worked with a couple of other women in the office over my career there, I really was the only one in the Dallas office that continued to have the schedule that I had.
1: So, Jessica, um, so one of the things that really strikes me is how important it was to have leaders who were willing to try something different.
0: I mean, I think it still took a lot of courage on Michelle's part to really be the one to kind of step up and say, this is something I'd like. So, yes, absolutely, the leaders had to to kind of match her in her courageousness and try something out with her. But what you can also hear is that, you know, she had to keep on pushing um it wasn't easy to begin with and there was some criteria to to keep it under the radar and she said no i got to keep make this more transparent it strikes
1: me you talk about being transparent you know and then when you hear little conversations here and there people kind of whispering well i leave too i just don't let anybody know or i pretend i'm going to a client or and then there was a Harvard Business Review article that came out not that long ago that basically said people are really good at pretending they work 80 hours so that they look good. But you're right. But that, you know, the bosses, they can't even tell who's working and who's not. You know, yes. so because we don't have that transparency, I'm wondering, is that part of the reason why this kind of overwork culture persists? I mean, I
0: think that's one part. I mean, honestly, I think what we've started to see is that there's just so much ineffectiveness that happens when we overwork. Um, and then it perpetuates more ineffectiveness. A simple example is that, you know, you don't actually have time to plan for that thing that's going to happen in a month. And then suddenly that thing arrives and you're not ready for it and so you have to all crank harder to get ready mm-hmm. for it. And it's just, it perpetuates a cycle of, of overwork. Uh,
1: so talk about kind of what is the current situation, if you will, the current reality, what's your vision and, and how far away are we in that gap?
0: One of the things that changed over the last 16 years is the double-edged sword of technology became much more transparent. So clearly, we can really do work differently. You know, time to care for your aging parent or time to care for your children, time to be involved with your community. Those ideas are really possible because of technology. We can do work anywhere, anytime. But what's changed also is the expectation that we should be available 24-7 now. Mm. There's been this tendency to have chronic overwork in the last eight years. Mm. And, you know, there's lots more we could talk about how Michelle learned how to work smarter from this
1: process. Mm-hmm. So let's continue with Michelle's story. So did that, you know, working 80 percent, taking the summers off, leaving it for in the fall, did that affect the, the quality of the work that you did? Uh, did, that, uh, did that affect your chances at rising there? It didn't.
2: And the one thing I would say about public accounting or even client service work in general is that um, at the level I was at, you have the ability to, you know, the your work is determined by the number of clients that you have. And so I was had the ability to manage that schedule. But there did come a time before I made partner, um, our national HR director was in our office one day and was just talking to me about, you know, getting in the partner development program and being a, uh, promoted to partner. Mm-hmm. And I told her at the time, I was like, you know, I really, that's not really something I'm interested in right now. I love my flex schedule. I don't want to give up my flex schedule to be able to get to partner at this time. And, and she just said, you know, Michelle, that's not really a choice. You don't have to choose between one or the other. You know, you can get the qualifications to get to partner without giving up your schedule. And mm. I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's great. Then that is something I'm interested in. But I think I felt like I also needed to talk to my husband about it because while I knew that I, if I could still maintain my schedule, you know, just being in that program, which was a three year program, required me to travel more. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be more responsibilities and probably some changes to my schedule, even though I was able to keep it for the most part. And so, he and I basically had a discussion at that point in time to say, hey, you know, this is an opportunity, but it's really a choice we need to make together. Because I knew having to take care of the girls by himself while I was gone, Mm -hmm. he needed to be on board before I made that decision. And um, he was. And, you know, fortunately, it all worked out. So I was in the program. I made partner after two years in that program. And while, you know, at that point in time, you kind of are the primary contact with the clients. Um, mm-hmm. So it did change my responsibility somewhat. Um, I was still able to work that 80% schedule until I left the firm at the end of 2011.
1: So so how many years did you did you end up working that uh, that flexible schedule where you took summers off? Uh, about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Ten years and you made partner. Uh, did you tell your clients, did they freak out when they when you said, I'm going to be at the pool with my kids in, in the summertime?
2: You know, my clients actually were fine with it. In fact, they appreciated, you know, before I would leave, um, when I was not in the office, I sent a communication to all of my clients, even the ones that didn't have work that would go on that time of the year, just to let them know what my schedule was, where I would be. And I didn't, there weren't a lot of clients. There were a few clients that I would give out my personal cell phone number to.
1: And the and the, and that your team was able to handle the rest of it? And so that to me was one of the best things that I don't think
2: anybody realized about that was that I was able to delegate to my team. And I had a couple of people that worked for me over the years that because of that delegation and getting them in front of the clients and making sure that if the clients knew that I was not there, that they were available Um, really helped them to grow and got promoted from senior to manager to senior manager. And so it benefited them as well as me because they are able to grow more in their responsibilities and benefit from that as well.
1: You know, there was a Harvard Business Review article not long ago looking at a survey of a number of top leaders, sort of partners, like at your level. And the the consensus was that having work-life balance was either, it was, quote, an elusive ideal or a complete myth. So what you're describing is something that most people don't think is possible. You made partner and you worked for 10 years with a, with a schedule that gave you a lot of time for your family and your life. Uh, why do you think you were able to do it? And, and why do you think so many people believe it's not possible? Some of it has to do with the want or the
2: desire to do it, right? I think it also has a lot to do with the people that you work with and the people that are above you mentoring you to support you. I think even in companies where there are flexible schedules or benefits, um, some of that just depends on who it is specifically that you are reporting to or who is managing a certain department. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I've had a supportive spouse at home where we've been able to work that out together. So I think there's, you know, lots of different things that go together to make all of that work.
1: So Jessica, what... Sort of what's the recipe, if you will, to, to make working differently, working and living differently work?
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's, you know, how did Michelle do it as an early adapter? You know, so there, that's the question. You know, she did this a number of years ago when it was really uh, more unusual to do. And, and how do we want people to be able to do it 10 years from now? Um, And, you know, my hope is that we really create a world where it just becomes much more normal. We see people around us, men and women, who have done this differently, and it won't take so much courage to do it differently. But what you hear from Michelle's story is something I've heard over and over again. Her clear desire that this is what she wanted and her support at home that this is what made sense. We can do this together together. Um, There was clarity at home. So even though they were facing that external barrier of maybe the less supportive workplace, the less supportive boss, they were willing to partner at home to figure it out and make it happen. So I think desire is critical. A supportive spouse makes a huge difference. And absolutely, we are seeing that there's pockets of managers who get it and don't get it. So you might be working in a big organization with a manager who doesn't get it, start poking around and finding that person who seems to be flexing the way you want to, find out who they're working for, and I bet you can move to a different place in that same organization and get more support.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I worked a, a reduced schedule after I had my daughter, and I remember one of the requirements was that I don't, I didn't tell anyone that I kept it a secret because they were worried that yeah. everybody would want the same thing. And I, rebe- I just remember feeling really badly uh, that that was somehow, you know, not only was I seen as not as committed, um, you know, but that also, you know, you kind of had that feeling you were sneaking around when in fact in, in fact i did really great work i won an award for a series while i was on that reduced schedule and i had time with my kids and it i sort of kept that all under wraps so nobody ever knew so it sort of didn't didn't help change the culture at all i wonder yeah. how many well, other people are like that
0: and and i think you know that there really is some risk involved with it there are some industries like law is a classic industry where you know there's some serious risk To do something differently. Um, You will literally not make partnership if you ask to do it differently in many law firms. So it's hard. And, you know, so I don't think you're alone that this was hard to do and be public about. Um, That's my hope is that we make it less hard. So you don't have to be a certain kind of pioneering spirit to do this. I want it to be available to lots more people.
1: Jessica DeGroote. In a moment, we'll hear what ended up happening with Michelle Hickox and her career. Better Life Lab is brought to you by American Express. What strikes me most about Michelle Hickox's story is not that she had everything figured out and, bing, just like magic, her life was perfectly balanced ever after that. I think people make the mistake when they think of work-life balance that everything is going to be perfectly aligned ever and ever after that. But you know just how much she struggled. Things got out of balance, and she had to work to get them back into balance. She met challenges, and she had to keep learning and making decisions learning from her mistakes, even. And what strikes me is that she really couldn't have done it on her own. She relied on the support of Jessica Groot and fellow pioneers at Third Path, backing her up every step of the way. The powerful backing of American Express. Don't live life without it. So I'm back now with Jessica DeGroote. Let's listen together to the last part of Michelle's story.
2: You know, there's certainly always changes. And as we talked about, as my responsibilities at the firm changed, as my Kids got older, you know, that changed as well. So, in the beginning, while it was important for me before they, you know, when they couldn't be unsupervised, when they were the younger age, um, the challenge became when there were things that would come up that I had to come into the office for and making sure that I always had a backup plan. Either my mother was available or a neighbor or a friend or someone was available to, you know, kind of fill in in a pinch for me if I had to be in the office for something. Mm-hmm. And then it got to be. You know, it wasn't so much summers, but they got into club sports and that type of thing. So I flexed my schedule a little bit where I actually worked more during the summer so that I could um, be more off during the school year, leave earlier in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's I think that's one of the things where I've seen people that have attempted this. And there were a a few people at the firm, um, other women who had children that tried it. And what the advice I would give is that you can't just try it and then give up on it really quickly. If one thing doesn't work, you have to try, try again and be willing to be flexible and to see if you can do, you know, a couple of things to try to make it work. Because I think had, had I given up, you know, that first year, I really could have given up easily.
1: Sure. Um, you know, when we were talking, the first time that we met was at the Pioneering Leaders Summit that Third Path Institute puts on with people who are trying to work differently and, and some with greater success than others. And certainly when I went, I was not having great success with my own uh, work-life balance. And and at that point, you were struggling, too. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? So I left the
2: firm to take uh, my current position as the CFO of the bank. We did a public offering about a year after I got here, and the bank was small. I did not have staff in place that I needed to be able to do that, so most of that work fell to me and um at that pioneering leader summit, um that was kind of the end of that year and you know I really felt out of balance and um you know this was something I had been successful with, and at that summit you know, I think I really kind of felt like a fraud because I was like, <laughs> wow, well, I've been really failed at this over the last year. <laughs> yeah. And so the one thing I found really, though, was that taking the skills I learned um, at McGladdery when I was a partner there to a bank, they didn't always work exactly because the work is different. This is a place I'm expected to be all day, every day versus um, in client service. You never know where you're going to be or who you're working with. And so that was an adjustment in just the workload. There was just really too much work for me to do. Mm. And so um, really how we solved that was I was able to add to my team and finally have enough people in place to get my life back in balance. Um, but the one thing I have been able to do with my skills here is two of the women that report to me have young children. The bank, you know, just it was a small company work-life balance and those types of things wasn't really anything that anyone really thought about here. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't part of the culture. And so I've worked really hard to bring the skills I've learned, um, not, you know, not just for me, but for the people that work under me, because I feel like you can attract and retain um, really great people if you're willing to provide benefits like that. My financial reporting manager, which that work ebbs and flows. She has an eight-month-old and a Almost three year old, <laughs> and so wow. I've worked with her, you know, to get her technology. She can work from home if she needs to. Um, we actually have a branch that's about five minutes from her house, so we've set her an, up an office there. So she comes to the corporate office, which is probably a forty-five minute commute for her on the days that she needs to. But you know, there are days that I get a call from her where she says, "I just." things are too crazy at home. I'm not going to be able to make it to McKinney. I'm just going to work from Capel, and she can do what she needs to there. And mm-hmm. that's fine. And I think what my staff would tell you is they feel totally comfortable with that because I've modeled it. And, you know, I totally understand it. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I think it wasn't necessarily that like my boss is the CEO. I don't think that he was against it. I just don't think he had really ever thought about it. So, you know, we were talking about some employee benefits about two years ago and everything was on the list except there were no parental leave benefits. And I said, you know, why don't we, which had become personal to me because of my employees. And I said, why don't we have maternity leave or parental leave benefits? And he said, well, I didn't know that we didn't. We do, we do need to have that.
1: (laughs) And so. (laughs) He just didn't know. Yeah. So, I mean,
2: sometimes I think just because it doesn't exist or no one else talks about it doesn't mean that no one else has thought about it or is against it. So. You know, that really taught me I just need to speak up. And in fact, he got on to me in that meeting and he's like, Michelle, you we are relying on you. You have an outside perspective. And he said, we really need you to speak up in those areas because those are things, you know, we've all done this here for a long time. We don't necessarily know that.
1: Mm -hmm. So last thing I wanted to ask you, it's like, so you you've worked differently. You spoke up. You asked for things that a lot of people are too afraid to ask for. You actually got them. You were successful. You rose in your first. You've got this amazing position. What has it all meant that you, uh, that you made this choice to work differently? Well, you know,
2: I would say as far as my career goes, I've had a great career, and the position that I'm in right now, I love. I love being the CFO of this bank, and um, I feel like I, I, w- I would look back and say I've been very successful. So I don't think that my, the fact that I did it differently has held me back in any way. Um, if you ask my girls, who are both in college now, My oldest daughter just turned 22, and she has a serious boyfriend. She's not engaged, but they probably will get married when she graduates from college. And this summer, you know, she was talking to me about how that was important to her, that she liked that I was around, you know, when she Mm -hmm. needed me to be around, either during the summer or um, school events or whatever it was. She never felt like um, that I missed out on anything, She's a chemical engineering major and her uh, boyfriend is probably going into public accounting just like I was. And so mm-hmm. they actually are already having conversations about once they are married, how to make it work, how to share care. I mean, it's just very interesting to me that they're thinking about that in advance because I didn't think about that until I was expecting her. That wasn't even anything that ever entered my mind. And I think with her... She looks back and says, my family was able to do that. I really want to find a way that I can do that as well.
1: So, so, Jessica, what do you think?
0: We can do work differently and do it successfully. And clearly, Michelle's trajectory as a career proves that, right? But not only did Michelle have success at work, she modeled something not just herself, but her husband modeled something to their children and their children watched them every single day and they learned something different. They learned they don't have to have a life where work requires all of you, but instead they saw the value of living a life where work is something that you do and you do excellently, but you also have time to invest in your family and your relationship with your partner. And so they're Michelle's daughters watched Michelle do things differently, and they watched Rob, Michelle's husband, do things differently, and lo and behold, kids grow up, and so here are Rob and Michelle as empty nesters, and they can actually live their life in a really cool way and still have a lot of love for each other, a lot of, you know, a big sense of who they are as people, so it turns out this is a really successful solution for us and our workplaces for our children, for our relationships. I'm not talking crazy (laughs) ideas here. This is what's possible for everybody. We can do this.
1: All right, great. Well, Jessica, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today.
0: You are welcome. So glad you're doing the work you're doing.
1: Jessica DeGroot runs the nonprofit Third Path Institute online at thirdpath.org. We also heard this episode from Michelle Hickox. She's vice president and chief financial officer of Independent Bank. It's a $5.5 billion bank serving North Texas, Houston, and Austin. I spoke with Michelle from our office in McKinney, Texas. For more resources on working healthier, visit us online at newamerica.org. Click on the link for Better Life Lab. Better Life Lab is produced by New America in partnership with Slate. Thanks so much for joining me for our podcast about the art and science of living a full life. It's a collaboration with Ideas 42, supported by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Our producer is David Schulman. If you enjoyed this episode, review us on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us get the word out. From New America's Better Life Lab, I'm Bridget Schulte.